Hello and welcome to the London School of Theology podcast. You are listening to our weekly chapel service. In this episode, you'll be hearing from the Reverend Professor Mark Cartledge. London School of Theology. Forming disciples. Resourcing churches. Impacting society. From Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Emily. Uh, It's lovely to see you all. It's great to be back, isn't it? Are you happy to be back? At least three people are happy to be back. That's good. I'm I'm doing something with microphones I probably shouldn't shouldn't be doing. I apologise, Alison. The great way to start a sermon. How not? There's Chloe here. The the, the way not to start a sermon, throw the microphones around. Uh, Shall we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for all that you give us. Uh, We're so grateful for each other. Thank you for each other. Thank you for this place. Thank you for the mission that you've placed into our hands. Thank you, Lord, that we are here to learn how to love you more and to serve you well and to grow in our knowledge of you. Help us as we come to your word today. Speak to us, we pray. May your spirit illuminate our minds and may your spirit set our hearts on fire for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So I hope you had a good Easter. Did you have a good Easter? Yeah, good holiday? Yes? Uh, How many of you uh, ate a few hot cross buns at Easter? Just one or two of you. Have you discovered that M&S have a variety of hot cross buns? There is the ordinary hot cross bun. Then there's the chocolate hot cross bun. Anybody have the chocolate hot cross bun? No? <laughs> well, we're not in Lent anymore. And there was cinnamon and apple that we had, which was very nice. There was also a bonoffi. Was there a bonoffi, Jane? Yeah. Uh, how many of you happen to eat one or two Easter eggs? Anybody eat two Easter eggs? Yes. You get very excited as we move into chocolate. <laughs> but here's the question. How many of you actually received the gift of an Easter bunny, chocolate Easter bunny? Yes. They are the best. Are they not the best? But the problem with an Easter... If you haven't eaten an Easter bunny... Sorry, I'm starting a bit frivolous. I will get serious in a moment. But the thing about an Easter chocolate Easter bunny is, how do you actually eat it? By the ears. By the ears. Yes, it's the only way. You've got to start with the ears of the bunny. 
Yes. So John and I have slightly different um, ways of doing it, but we both start with the chocolate Easter bunnies ears. Well, from Easter bunnies, which we associate with Easter, to the one who is really the focus of Easter, the resurrected, and we want to say the ascended Lord. So as we come to this particular text, I want to focus obviously on the end of Acts chapter 2, which is about community, and there's a good reason that we're looking at community, Um, but you can't understand the community at the end of Acts chapter 2 without at least uh, picking up Pentecost and Peter's speech, so I have to do a little bit of that as well. Um, But the reason that we're looking at community is because it's one of our core values, you remember from the, I hope you remember, from the autumn series that we looked at actively becoming Christ-like, becoming more like Jesus in who we are and what we do. And then last term, uh, we looked at being shaped by the canon of Scripture. So how do we become Christ-like? Well, it's through the Word of God. And then uh, thirdly, well, what does that mean for us corporately? And it means that we are being shaped into and celebrating Christian community. There are so many different things to Christian community, but the things that were picked up in the values that we wrote were things like exhibiting the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit in praise, prayer, sacraments, fellowship and service, embodying collegiality for the flourishing of all. So it's, it's focused around worship, and then it spreads out from worship into the whole of life. So as you come back this term... I wonder, what is it in your own heart and mind that you would like to celebrate about being in community? Why don't you turn to your neighbour for about one minute and share what's the one thing that you would really like to celebrate uh, and articulate about being in community? I'll give you a minute, away you go. Well... Often, the day of Pentecost, we've just had Easter, and I'm looking forward to Pentecost. Pentecost doesn't quite come in the liturgical calendar so early, but I thought it's worth uh, starting here. Uh, Often referred to as the birthday of the church, whether you believe that or not, I, I don't know. I like the idea of Pentecost being the birthday of the church. There's something about the Holy Spirit coming upon people. So the first point uh, is is about Pentecost. You've got 120 people in an upper room. And they're waiting for something. They've been told to wait, so they're waiting from power from on high. What exactly are they doing? Well, they're sat down, probably. They're hanging around, maybe they're praying, maybe they're worshipping. They're waiting. And suddenly, you have this dramatic event as the wind of the Spirit comes, the place shakes, there's tongues of fire that appear on people's heads, and they start babbling away in other tongues. Luke says they declared the wonders of God. What does it mean to declare the wonders of God? Well, I... I like to think this is about praise. This is doxology. This is an amazing experience when the house is full of the presence of God in such an intense way 
Now, in the Old Testament, when the, the, the glory cloud came in, in the temple, the priests had to sit down. They couldn't actually do anything. Right? That was one example of the presence coming in an intense way. In this experience, the Holy Spirit comes to unite the life of the triune God to the people of God. And what do they do? They babble. <laughs> they absolutely babble in other languages. It's amazing. And, it kind of, and they kind of spill out. They spill out from the space of the upper room, whatever that actually looked like. There's a bit of a debate as what that did look like. But they, they spilled out into what we might call the public sphere. And people thought they were drunk. Have you ever been so full of the Holy Spirit that someone has said you're drunk? Has that happened to anybody? Yeah. It happened to me once. When I was 17, I had an experience of being filled with the Spirit. Some people call it baptism, the Spirit. It was a youth group meeting. I came back and I was laughing in the Spirit and could not stop. Anybody had that experience? Alison. Yay. At least one person has. I knocked on the front door because I couldn't find my key. My mum opened the door and she said, you're drunk. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. Well, I was drunk in the spirit. They thought they were drunk, but Peter says, no, it's, only, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But there's something that's really important here. I'll get on to Peter in a moment. The Holy Spirit comes. People are filled with the Spirit. They start praising God in languages that they do not yet know. Their world has changed because they have experienced the presence of God in such a profoundly different way that all they can do is praise God. I want to say that the beginning of theology and the end of theology is worship. And if we have got that out of kilter, something's awry. Years ago, a colleague of mine at a former university where I taught uh, had been a Methodist minister and a very famous theologian, actually, in his own field. And I had a conversation over coffee with him one day, and I just happened to throw a question at him. I said, um, do you still pray? And he said, no, I don't pray anymore. I said, do you, do you still worship God? He said, no, I don't go to church anymore. No. Something had happened, and I don't know what, but there was, in his experience, a, a gap. A brilliant theologian who no longer prayed. It's a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Some people would say a theologian is someone who does pray. So at the centre of this experience of our theology is the union of head and heart. It's the union of theology that flows from worship. That's why chapel is so important. That's why corporate worship is so important. Because everything we do flows from that place of praise and worship and intimacy with God. So Peter had to explain what was going on. These are uneducated Galileans and they're speaking a variety of languages and there's a whole list of people from a variety of places and they're under 
this declaring the wonders of God is being understood. They can understand the languages that are being spoken. And Peter is amazing. He relates it back to the promise of Joel. This is the promise of the last days. The end has arrived in this moment through the Spirit. And all sorts of people can receive this gift. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, whether you're young and old, or whether you're slave or free. That's remarkable. It doesn't matter who you are. This Spirit is for every single person if they would come to Jesus. Salvation has come. And so Peter relates it to Jesus. And there's a, I had to smile as I read this recently in light of Easter because he says, <laughs> you crucified him. Yeah, he used the Romans, but you did it. You crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. What you see in here now is because of Jesus, who you crucified. But that's not the end. God raises the dead, which is incredible, really. And uh, after, I won't go into the details of the speech, uh, because I really want to get to the end of the chapter, and this is all by way of background. It wasn't so much an argument as an explanation. And at the end of the explanation, they didn't say, oh, Peter, that's a jolly good account of what's just happened. We are intellectually persuaded Mm -hmm. that this is a good account. It makes perfect sense to us. They didn't say that. What the text says is that they were cut to the heart. They were stunned by this explanation. It wasn't just an intellectual thing. It was a deeply affective thing. Their emotions were deeply touched. They were cut to the heart. When was the last time you read some theology and you were cut to the heart? Has that ever happened in your life? Joan was um, um, poking fun at me over Easter because I was reading, reading some passages from Calvin's Institutes as a kind of spur time activity. I should have been with Jude, and we should have been doing it together, really, or Tony. But I was, I was reading Calvin's Institutes. And there's some bits I liked. <laughs> some bits I wasn't quite sure about. But I was not cut to the heart by Calvin's Institutes. <laughs> now, some people might have that experience. But I did not. Peter, explaining the day of Pentecost, did it in such a powerful way that these people's lives were changed. And they said, what do we do? And he says, well, you've got to repent. You've got to turn around. You're going in the wrong direction. You've got to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And then this gift you can receive as well. It's for you too. It's not just the club that's got the gift and everybody else is outside. No, the doors are wide open to this new temple of the Spirit. You can come and experience this for yourself as well. 
And so uh, Luke records that over 3,000 people were, inverted commas, saved that day, put their faith into Christ. We're committed in this place to the highest academic standards, absolutely. But we're also committed to a vibrant, living, spiritual life. Uh, years ago, I was visiting America. I was a PhD student. Um, my daughter was very young. She was about three. And I was visiting Tennessee, the Pentecostals in Tennessee, which are, if anybody been to the Pentecostal people in Tennessee, they're a little bit crazy, but they're lovely people. And I was visiting a friend called Chris, staying with him, and um, he had a teenage daughter. She's probably about 12, 13. And I happened to say to him, how do you help the people of this age, teenagers, still connect to church? Because lots of my friends, when I was growing up, left church. How do, they, how do you connect young people to church? He said, well, two things are really important. The first thing is, no question is out of bounds. Whenever we sit around a meal table together as a family, the kids can ask whatever they like. Nothing's out of bounds. Ask whatever question you like. If I don't know the answer, I'll go and find out and bring, bring an answer back. But they have complete freedom to raise all the difficult questions of life, stuff that's going on in their lives. I thought, it's great. I said, what's the second thing? He said, ah, oh, well, I'm Pentecostal. So we have our summer camps and our young people have high-octane experiences of the Holy Spirit. I thought, oh, I'm an Anglican. I don't think I know what that means. <laughs> but actually, I thought, yeah. So we have one daughter, Becky, and as she was getting older, we found ourselves doing this. So especially in teenage years, Every meal table, it was like, what do you want to talk about? You know, if she didn't want to talk, we'd just eat, that's fine. But if she had a burning issue, that's great. The worst thing was when sometimes my, my research students would come back for dinner and she'd start talking to them and then citing them against me in the conversation. Like, what? No, I'm, I'm helping them to learn. No, 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 but so-and-so says, you're wrong, Dad. No, so, okay. And then we went to New Wine. She was a New Wine kid. She went through all the different camps in New Wine. New Wine people here? Yes. She went through all the camps. Then Soul Survivor, and then Momentum, and all and has experiences of the Spirit. Why? Because we have to marry, in the Christian life, our head and our hearts. It's not just all affection. You can't go around saying, oh, my heart is strangely warm today without thinking through what's going on intellectually. We need the two to come together. That's what Pentecost is about, it seems to me. And from this place comes community. So these people are gathered into community, which is fantastic. They are devoted to the apostles' teaching a lot of the teaching became for us the New Testament. They're committed to fellowship, being together in relationship. The breaking of bread, meals, the Lord's Supper, praying together. There's a sense of awe about what is God is doing in their midst. There's signs, there's wonders. 
They have all things in common. They share possessions. They go to the temple and they worship in the temple. Of course they do. But they come back to their homes. And it says they had glad and sincere hearts. We're back to the heart again. This is not just about a relationship with God. It is about that. But it's also about a relationship with others in this community. It's about loving God and loving neighbour. But it's also about knowing each other and being in that relationship with each other. And we know that being in community is not easy. There are some people um, that you find difficult. There's some people that you find impossible. And there's some people that you just like. They're just fantastic. Community is hard. It really is. And at at times, uh, we have house rules. And if people break house rules, then there are problems. But this community were committed to what God was doing amongst them. And it flowed from worship and affected every single area of life. And that's what you see in the rest of the Acts of the Apostles. It flows out. Now, there are problems, there are difficulties, there's persecution that will come. But there is a commitment to this community and its growth in terms of the kingdom. I want to encourage us all as we come back to a summer term. There's lots to do. Some people will be very stressed about assignments. Some people are very stressed about exams. Some people won't be stressed at all. They're looking forward to Fun Week, which has become Fun Fortnight, which is becoming, well, whatever it becomes. (laughs) And that's great. But I want to say, for me, all of that flows from this place. Because the heartbeat of this community is worship. And our task, it seems to me, is to draw close to that heartbeat. To receive from the Lord what he wants to give us and then to share it, to serve others through it. So as I close, I just want to say that on the 8th of June, we're going to have a community day. Alison is uh, up organising that. And I want to encourage us to participate as best as we can. Some of us will be busy, I know, but others will be available. Uh, It's about being together. It's about serving together. It's about growing together. So I want to encourage us all on the 8th of June uh, to be together if we can, if it's possible to be together. Let me pray. Let's pray together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Father, would you give us glad and sincere hearts? Would you do a work of grace in our lives today that we would know that you are with us, that we're not on our own, and that we can be grateful for all the gifts that you have given to us? the gifts of each other, 
the gifts of the work you've placed into our hands and the calling that you have placed upon our lives to be formed into the likeness of Christ, to be resources for the churches and the mission of the church in the world, and Lord, to have an impact. May we be salt and light in this place, in this city, in our world. Would you fulfill all that you have purposed for us, in us and through us, by your Spirit, for your praise and for your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the London School of Theology podcast. To find out more about LSD and our courses, please visit our website, 